Um, you know, all the years that, that we spent with Brother Hagen, one of the greatest things, and I know I've said it before, but I'll say it again, is uh, him teaching us the value of this book and being led and combining the two. Um, we had the pri- great privilege of spending time not only with them in services, but we had the great privilege of getting to spend time with them personally and seeing how they lived their lives and seeing what they did in circumstances and seeing behind the scenes, you know, uh, not just as an employee because uh, you see things as an employee, but seeing things more in the eyes of of a friend or fellowship, you know, with someone that, that you're doing things with them on a, on a continual basis and seeing how they react to situations. And, you know, when you're around someone all the time, you begin to see how they respond when a situation arises. You begin to see what they do when tragedy happens. You begin to see what they do when good things happen or, or negative things happen. And so, in, in being with someone for decade after decade, you begin to see how they react and what they do to apply things in their life and get the results that they got. And we were privileged to not only hear him speak the words, what the word said, but to live what he spoke. And there are very few people that we've been around that I can say that had a consistency in their life that were the same when they got up today as when they got up tomorrow as when they got up the next day and through the years a lot of people I don't know how to say it but just say it this way would say of Brother Hagen oh he's just an old man that just continues to teach exactly the same thing we are tired of going and hearing exactly the same thing how many of you heard people say Things like that about Brother Hagen. Well, the reason that he would teach exactly the same thing, and the the more mature that Keith and I get, is we realize people didn't get it. Even the very people that were saying it, they didn't get what he was saying. And if they did, you would have a whole massive amount of people for the number of graduates. I used to know what they were because I worked in the admissions office. But it's a massive number of Rhema graduates that were taught faith. And faith would be bombarding the United States like a pinball in a machine. It would be going boing, boing, boing. And everybody you'd come in contact with, you would be coming in contact with somebody that was teaching faith. Because there's a bunch of them out there. But instead of there being people that you're, every time you step out the door, you're bumping up against somebody that's teaching faith, you're running into people that are stopping teaching faith. You're running into people that are are going in other directions instead of standing and believing and teaching faith. And the reason that that is is because they were some of the ones that thought they already knew what he was saying. When he was telling those things over and over and over again, we'd sit there in those services and, and I'd hear what he was saying and I'd think, you know, he's, we've been in, in five crusades this year 
and every crusade, he's touched on exactly the same thing and said exactly the same thing. But every one of them, I came away with something totally different. Every one of them, I came away with knowledge that I didn't have from the one before. Because I didn't go in there thinking, I already know this about faith. I didn't go in there thinking, I got this. Because... We were wise enough to look at our results. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you are not getting the answer to everything that you say you're believing for, or that you're using your faith for, You ain't got it yet. You ain't got it yet. And it's no need in learning uh, calculus if you hadn't learned addition yet. And people want to skip from addition to go to calculus... And they hadn't learned the addition yet, much less division or multiplication. And so what happens to people is they get hurt and they get get offended and they get uh, put out with churches, get put out with pastors, they get put out with the word, they get put out with everybody except for admitting that they're really put out with God. Because they call themselves believing for something, and it didn't come to pass. It didn't happen in their lives. And so, when it didn't happen in their lives, instead of looking at their self and saying, maybe I'm trying to apply calculus when I should be back trying to learn math. And backing up a few steps themselves and saying, maybe I'm just not there yet. Because if you hadn't got it year after year after year after year, I know people say, just stand and stay in faith. But after 30 years, you ain't got it. You need to look at something. You need to see where am I missing it at? Where where did I where did I twist or turn in the wrong direction? I know Brother Hagen used to say this all the time. He used to say, There's nothing that I have believed God for that I didn't get after three years. But then there's nothing that he believed God for that He didn't truly believe God for. There were times people would try to get him to believe God for stuff. And he'd say, you know what? I can't add anything to my faith right now. I remember one time, Miss Aretha, they got a house. They were believing for some things. And they got a house. And some of you remember the story. And Miss Aretha said, Kenneth, we really need drapes. we got to have something to cover those windows. People are going to see right in. 
And you can see right in from the living room. And he looked at her and he said, Aretha, if I hang drapes on my faith right now, the whole thing's going to fall down. <laughs> now you think drapes is not a lot. But he knew where he was. And he knew what he could believe for. He knew what he was able to stand for. But just to continue saying every time something comes along or every friend says, believe with me on this or hook with me on this or believe with me for this money or believe with me for this illness or believe with me for this. You can't do it. You can't do it. You'd have to be a faith giant as big as Goliath or bigger. And most people are not there. Most people are having trouble believing for their light bill. Believing for their rent. Believing for their bodies to be healed. But every time somebody comes along, how many of you have heard people say, Yeah, I'm believing for that. Yeah, I'm believing. Brother Keith will be here tomorrow. He'll be able to come in. Everybody said yes. Are you? Let's get into it. Okay? First John. Chapter 5. This is King James. And verse 14. Sorry. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Who is it talking about? Him. Jesus, God. This is the confidence that we ask, we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions That we desired of him. Now that's a lot of stuff in there. Let's read it from like they were. Edward and um, Dan were saying. Let's read it from the Amplified this morning. Okay. Let's just amplify it out. Okay. Put it up there guys. And this is the confidence. The assurance. The privilege of boldness. That we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, we make any request, but what's that next part? According to his will. What's the next sentence? In agreement with his own plan, he listens and hears us. Now, do you think most people... Have got that. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, in order to know his will, there's two things that you have to have. You have to have, as I said, Brother Hagen taught us extensively on this. You have to have his word. Or you have to have his spirit. And we're going to get into these two things today. And we're going to show you a subtitle on this might be. Uh, uh, let's see. 
the word or the spirit. You might use that. You might use claim it or you've heard this said a lot. If it be thy will. But you have to have one of two things in order to get something from God. What are they? I just told you. His word or his spirit, which in the end you will see is exactly the same thing. But you have to have that. You have to have one of those things. Romans 10, 17. How many of you can quote that to me? Anybody know what it says? Put it up on the board. Yeah, you got it. Let's put it up there. So then, faith, which faith is what you have to have to believe for anything, right? Okay? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Immediately you think faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Is that not what you think? Faith comes by you hearing the Word of God, right? Which is true. Which is true. Which applies to the first thing we said. In order to believe, you have to have the Word. But there's another side to that. Let's read it from a couple of different translations. Keep on going and read. Let's put it in um, the NIV. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Now, if I said the word of Rob, what would you think I'm talking about? What Rob said. Not something he wrote down, but what Rob said. So in order for the Spirit, you to get something through the Spirit, you've got to have, look at it now, and let's see what translation, let's go back to that Amplified again. And it makes it clear. So then faith comes by hearing what is told. And what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that comes from where? The lips of Christ. So in order to have faith for something, what do you have to have? You either have to have a word that's written in this book. Or a word directly from the Lord to your spirit. Let's say it again. In order to have the confidence. Let's read the verse again. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. And we know that if he hears us. Whatever we ask. We know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. How can we have the confidence that we're asking according to his will? By his word or by him telling us through his spirit? 
That's absolutely the only way you can have confidence to get anything from God. Absolutely the only way. Now let's go back to what I asked you at the very first of the service. How many of you can have confidence 100% to believe with me that Brother Moore is going to make it back okay? What word are you standing on? Did God tell you something? What did he tell you? Psalms 91. No weapon formed against him will prosper. He rebuked the devourer. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And all that is just great. Because he's your pastor. But now you cannot take just a word and believe it for someone else. You can believe that because he's your pastor. But if someone just asks you nonchalantly, about someone else. Believe that my husband make it back okay. You can tell them. They can believe. And wherever two or more if you agree is touching anything they ask. If you can actually get in faith with them. If the Lord quickens you to get in faith with them. Then you can believe with them. Or if you find a scripture that both of you can agree on. Then you can believe with them. But you can't just believe with everybody about everything just because they asked you to believe with them. Let's see some things we can actually believe for. Let me, let me give you an example before we do that. Okay, we have a police department and we have a military. Is that right? Yes. Now, the police have laws. Is that right? Okay. There are laws with the police department that if they see you doing something wrong, what will they do? They will arrest you immediately. Immediately. They will arrest you. But now if they're undecided if you did anything wrong, they've got to prove it. Is that right? Yeah, they can't just say you did something wrong. They're supposed to have to prove it. Well, in this word here, there's things that we can immediately know that's ours. Just like the law, immediately, when you do something wrong, the police have grounds to immediately arrest you without waiting. They can take action immediately. Immediately. Let's look at some things that you can take action on as a believer immediately. You don't have to wait for anybody's opinion. You don't have to wait for agreement from your spouse. You don't have to wait for a friend to agree with you. You don't have to rebuke the devil. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is say, it's mine. That's all you have to do. Let's look at some things. Romans 10. 
Everybody knows this one. We don't have to read all of these. We can just put them up on the screen. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, uh, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, what's going to happen to you? What do you have to do to receive that? That's it. It's yours. You don't have to do a thing in the world, but just say, I claim that, that's mine. Why? Because it's in here. And it's talking to, if you, who's a you? How many yous do we have in here? So that means anybody in here. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's the end of that. There's no discussion about it. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to make uh, uh, bargaining with the devil. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is say, Jesus is Lord. And guess what? You're saved. So you can just claim that. And anybody you know can claim that. Because it belongs to you. Right? Let's look at some others. 1 John 1 9. So you got saved. 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, who's a we? How many we's do we have in here? I'm a we. Uh, This is in red in my Bible. How many Bibles is it in? Yeah. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you have to do anything to receive that? You have to confess your sins. So there's something that has to be done on that one, but it still belongs to you. You don't have to ask anybody for it. You don't have to do anything to the devil about it. You don't have to believe for it. You don't have to stand for it. You can just do it and receive it. Do you understand that? I'm trying to distinguish. We're going to get to the differences. Distinguish the difference between some things. Why people have gotten confused about faith. Okay, let's look at another one. First Colossians, or Colossians 1, 14. Same thing. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even for the forgiveness of sins. He redeemed us. We're forgiven. You claim it. It's yours. Now go to Romans 8, 1. Everybody should mark this one in their Bible with stars and stripes. Because this is one the devil really tries to play with people about. How many of you confess Jesus as your Lord? I think that's most every hand. There's a few that didn't go up. They're sleeping, I think. Um, Then it says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
So therefore, you do not have to live in condemnation about anything you did yesterday, anything you did five minutes before now, anything you did 20 years ago, anything you did 100 years ago. You don't have to beg for forgiveness. You don't have to beg to be clean. You don't have to do anything. If you're in Christ Jesus, you don't have to be condemned anymore. It belongs to you. You just have to say, it doesn't matter if your neighbor brings it back to you and says, you ought to be ashamed. Doesn't matter anything. This says, you don't have to live in condemnation. You should just claim that. That belongs to you. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to fast about it. You don't have to beg God for it. You don't have to say, God, I'm so condemned about what I did in the past. You don't, it doesn't matter if you had an affair every day for 16 years. It doesn't matter if you killed somebody. It doesn't matter if you were lesbian or gay and you changed. It doesn't matter what your life was. It makes no difference. If you're in Christ, You no longer have to be condemned and you don't have to ask another soul in the world about it. It belongs to you because why? What qualifies that for you? Because you are in Christ. Period. It's yours. You don't have to ask for it. Okay? Another one. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded. Who's an hour? Who's an hour? Some of you are not ours. He was wounded for our. Who's an hour? Yeah, our transgressions. He was bruised for our, who's an hour? Our iniquities. The chastisement of our, who's an hour? Our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, now here's a good one. We, who's a we? We, we are healed. Amen. Now, do you have to ask or stand or believe or beg or fast or pray or um, anything. No. Anything to receive this. To receive uh, your griefs gone. To receive your sorrows gone. To receive your transgressions gone. To receive total peace. To receive total healing. What do you have to do to earn that or to get that? What do you have to do? Say, it's mine. I take it now. Thank you. I'll take that, please. It's like going through the line at the cafeteria. I'll take that and I'll take that and I'll take that peace and I'll take my transgressions gone and I'll take removal of my sorrow and I'll take... I'll just take all that. And when you get to the line, they say, oh, they already paid for that for you. That person ahead of you paid for that. 
and you just go down the line and you just pick everything that you want as you're going down that cafeteria line. And that's absolutely all. It's just that simple. But the devil has complicated it. He's tried to make it hard for us. Like you have to go and you have to have everybody, a whole church pray for you. And you have to have all these people believing with you. And you have to have everybody standing in the right way and their mouths are right and their hand is right. And they have to hold their eye just right. And their nose has to be twisted this way. And uh, no. No. If it is in this book and it says we are healed if you're a we we are healed you don't have to do anything to receive that all you have to do is say I take that in my plate and I put it in my body that's all you have to do you don't have to rebuke the devil you don't have to bind anything you don't have to fast you don't have to pray you don't have to go to your pastor or to your neighbor or to anybody because this book belongs to you you don't need anybody interceding for you you don't need a priest you don't need holy water put on you (laughs) nothing all you need do is say let's read it again With his stripes, we're going to be one day in the sweet by and by when he feels like it. We are right now, right this instant, healed. Say it. I I am this moment moment healed. healed. Just that easy. People have complicated it. Why? Because they saw some people who thought they had faith and thought they were up here on a faith level and thought they'd been around faith for a long time not get healed. So it affected their faith because they thought, If they can't get healed, then why would I think I could get healed? When you don't know how their faith is, you don't know if they jumped from addition that they couldn't do to calculate, calculate, that that word. Or algebra or whatever it was. And they missed all along the way claiming and believing God. Just faith. I'm healed, Lord. Thank you. You don't know that. You don't even know your own spouse what they believe. You don't know what anybody believes. So never let what somebody else's faith, just because you see them sitting up in here all pretty and all dressed up and all their hair all fixed. Well, some of them's hair is fixed. But anyway, just because you see that doesn't mean they have more faith than you. Means nothing. Or just because they can quote more scriptures than you. I had to learn that the hard way. 
I got around all those people at Ramah. I got around all those faith people. And I was just a little Catholic girl that didn't know nothing about the Bible. And all these people could outquote me the Bible. I was so embarrassed I couldn't pray in front of anybody. But they could outquote me on that Bible. I couldn't even find the books of the Bible, much less quote a verse in the Bible. I had to have, turn to the concordance every time, and everybody else was there 45 minutes before I ever found the last verse. But I was filled with the Holy Spirit quicker than Keith. I was healed quicker than Keith. Why? Because I believed what this book said. And I believed what my father said. You don't have to quote 300 scriptures. You don't have to know everything that this book says. What you do have to do is believe what he just said. By his stripes, you were healed. Period. That's it. Doesn't matter what a doctor says. Doesn't matter what your friends say. Doesn't matter what your husband says. Doesn't matter what your co-worker says. Doesn't matter. It matters what this book says. And you have to believe it for yourself. And all the people around you that tell you you have to do all this other stuff to get it, lied to you. Because you're healed. That's all you have to do. So if your child gets sick, you have rights in your child's life. You walk into their room and you say, you lay your hands on their head and you say, by Jesus stripes, you are healed. Fever, I rebuke you. Walk out of there. That's the end of it. You don't fast and pray for three days. You ain't going to move God by doing any of those things. He already did it for you. It's like you going through the cafeteria line and you taking your healing and, and you taking your peace and you taking your, uh, the torment being gone and the sorrows being gone and you go through the line and you get all the things that you're believing for and you get to the end of the line and the cashier's there and she says, you know, he paid for it ahead of you and you say, oh, I don't believe that. I gotta pay for it myself. She says, I'm telling you, here it is. He paid for it. He paid for it. He paid for all y'all's food. He paid for it. And you're like, no, 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 no. Nobody don't pay for my stuff. No, I'm paying for it anyway. Well, that would be totally dumb. Just take that food and eat it. Get it in your belly. And say, thank you, Lord. That's all you have to do. It doesn't matter if they come tomorrow and tell you you've got cancer. It doesn't matter tomorrow if they tell you you have a brain tumor. It doesn't matter tomorrow if they tell you you have MS. You just look him in the eye and say, thank you. By his stripes, I am healed. And that's all you say. It does matter what you say, but that's all you say. Is you say what this word says. Not what your friends say or not what you thought somebody else said. That's all you have to do. Okay, let's go to another one. First Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care on him. 
understood subject. How many of you got English in school? Mm-hmm. You casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. How many yous do we have in here? Yes. You don't have to beg him to take care of your cares because he said he already took care of your cares. In other words, if you've got a crazy kid or you got a crazy sister or you got a crazy mother-in-law or you got a crazy husband or you got a whatever. Crazy boss, don't clap. <laughs> Your husband might be sitting right next to you. Wait, wait. <laughs> Just joking. Um, but he, he said, you cast all your cares on him and you don't, you don't carry them. People will think you're absolutely loopy. If you've got somebody acting crazy in your life and you've got things going on in your life and you're not sitting there worrying about it, they'll think you're crazy. But you just say, I'm just doing what that said. You don't have to beg God to lift your cares off of you. What you do have to do is just cast them on Him and let Him take care of them for you. Same thing as going through this line and say, Okay, Lord, I cast my cares. And you get to the end of the line and He says, I got them. Got it. And you say, No, 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 no. I have to, I have to take care of that myself. You're, you're not smart enough to take care of that. I have to do it. Well, why would you have to do it? Why do people take back their cares and try to fix them themselves? Pride. Pride. Because they think they can do it quicker. They can do it and get the glory for it. Fear. That it's not going to get done. You don't want to do that. You just want to trust who said it in this book. If he said it, he'll do it. Because you don't have to ask. You don't have to go back to that first verse and say, Lord, is this according to your will? Are you getting the picture? You don't have to wonder if this is according to his will. Why do we know it's according to his will? Because the word said it. We're not wondering. He said, read the, go back to the verse. Let's go back to it again. The very first one. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask... We know that we have. We have. Say, I have. What I asked him. How do you know if you're asking according to his will? Because it's in the word. You don't have to keep these cares because it's in his word that he cares for you. You have confidence that you do not have to do anything about it. Okay? So then the next one, let's see, is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Then we're going to change gears. Most of you should really like this one. For you know 
the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was yet for your neighbor's sake, yet for yet for yet for see everybody won't even say it yet for your sakes he became poor that through his poverty who who I turned around and I told Dan this when Edward was talking about the offering. Edward said, the bank called you and told you that you had to open another account because you had too much money in this account. And everybody laughed out loud. Do you know why everybody laughed out loud? Well, no. Because most people do not believe you can put too much money in a bank. They do not believe that there is a limit of money that a bank will receive. A bank will only take so much. And a bank will only insure so much. And then they'll say, hey, look, you've got to do something different. Most people don't even know that. Why? Through his poverty. So did Jesus become poor just for Richard? So then why do people sit around and all they think about is making money? When he said, if you'll think about me, I'll bring you the money. They got their channel on channel me when it should be on channel him. And if it was on channel him, the money would be coming where they've got it on the wrong channel and they can't get it coming and they keep getting confused about why they don't have nothing. Because he's already done it for you. But you know what? If you go, if you go to, let's see, I don't want to call a restaurant. You go to one restaurant, okay? I don't want to name places. But if you go to one restaurant, and God sent this person over here to this restaurant to buy your lunch, did you miss out on your blessing? Huh? Or if you go in this store to bear to buy a pair of jeans and God sent this person here to pay for your bill at that store. Does it matter? Yes. Does it matter? Yes. Or if you go over here, you don't believe this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You go over here to buy a car and God sent somebody there to pay for your deposit and your tag and all your other stuff and your insurance, but you went over here to buy it. Does that matter? So what should we be doing? We should have it on channel God. And God will direct us where our riches are. But we got to follow him. 
But people are following riches and trying to make money and not following God. And do you know who can lead you to follow riches? The devil. He'll take you to the wrong store every time. And you'll miss the sale. Or the people. He'll take you to the wrong restaurant every time. You'll get in the traffic. He'll take you to the wrong side of town. Every time. But if you do it listening to the Lord, He'll have you in the right place at the right time with the right people every time. And then you will begin to see. It's amazing. Uh, I want to see a show of hands, and I think you'll see something. How many people, their income, when they started serving God, they did not see an increase in their income, but their living lifestyle went up because God started doing things for them. Raise your hand. Look at this. Why is that? Because... God led people across your path. Because you put God first, He was able to send people and interweave them in your lives and send things across your path and open doors for you and get you at the right place to get that house, get you in the right place to get that blessing, get you in the right place to get these riches. It's not about the riches. God has no trouble getting the riches to us. He has trouble getting us where He wants us. He has no trouble with that. So we have to seek Him and He'll get the riches to us. He's already paid the price for us to have all the riches. All we have to do is go, Okay, God, where do I go today? I want a new blouse. What do I need to do? Some new shoes, Lord. He don't care for you having a new blouse or some new shoes so long as you're putting Him first. So He's already done this for you. It does matter if you listen to him. It does matter. So do you understand the importance of, if it says it in this word, you don't have to claim it, you don't have to beg for it, you don't have to fast for it, you don't have to go out of your way to do anything, you just receive it like you do going through a cafeteria line. You just put it in your plate, put it in your belly, put it in your heart, it's yours. You got it? But this next thing is where the confusion comes in. And it's where a lot of people have gotten off. And it's where Keith and I have seen over the years the most confusion in the body of Christ. Is people trying to stand and believe God for things that God never really told them to do. Say, for instance, the churches for us. We went to one church. We went there. It seemed like it was the right thing to do. It was some miracles happening. It was going the right direction. It was some, I mean, okay, I'm just going to, I normally wouldn't tell this, but I'm going to tell it so that you understand it. We knew we were supposed to start a church. We went to this place. And when we went there, we were flying in the airplane, and I looked at Keith. And I'd never said anything like this before. And I said, the Lord just told me something. He said, what? I mean, he's trying to land, but he said, what? (laughs) I said, he said, 
don't be moved by if it's an occupied church building. I said, Lord, we've never done anything with anybody's church. We are very particular about trying to go in, deal with anybody else's sheep, deal with anybody else's people. We're very cautious about that kind of stuff. And uh, I said, um, I don't know about that. Well, I kid you not, we got out of the plane, we drove down this one street, and there was a sign up in front of this building. And we didn't know that what was back behind it, and we went in that building, and they said, no, it's not us, it's the building behind us. And lo and behold, it was a church. And the church was losing their building. The pastor and his wife comes into us, and the pastor's sitting there talking to us and one of the elders and stuff. It's some other things that happened before that. But the wife is just sobbing. And we said, is she okay? I mean, in hysterics, like somebody had died. And he said, yeah, it's not been a very good day. We just had to let go all of our staff. Well, it looked like things were going in the right direction, that we were going to be able to do some things and keep those people from losing their church and doing some different things. But then we stepped back and we started praying some more and we got a check and some things didn't work out and some things were not right. And how many of you remember the story in the Old Testament in Chronicles about David wanting to build the temple? Remember that story? David went to the Lord and he said, Lord, you know, I, I think you should have a temple. It would only be right that you should have a temple. And what did the Lord tell him? What would be wrong in building God a church or a temple? How could you go wrong doing something like that? You're doing it for the Lord. How could you ever go wrong doing something for the Lord? Was David doing it with ulterior motives? Was he doing something bad? Was he looking to build his name? Then why would it be bad? See how quiet you are? This is where the body of Christ has gotten off. Right here. In this spot. How can it be wrong to go on the mission field or take this mission trip? How can it be wrong to do this for the Lord? How can it be wrong to give to these people? How can it be wrong to go to and do this? How can it be wrong? I'm doing it for the Lord. There's one major factor here. The Lord didn't tell you to do it. It's like this. You know our, our world today. Okay? It's like wars and rumors of wars everywhere. 
And it's like our president knows the possibility that we should go to war somewhere. And he sits on it, and he sits on it, and he sits on it. Well, what if he just wakes up one day and he says, or somebody, some of the people, be a better illustration, some of the people just decide, we're going to go over there and fight. We're just going to take it upon ourselves. We're going to go over there and fight. They don't have the backing of the military. They don't have the backing of the president. They don't have the money to do it. They don't have the forces to do it. They don't have the people to do it. They just stepped out on their own to do it. What's going to happen to them? Huh? People are laughing. People are, you know, rolling their eyes. What's going to happen to them? They're going to disappear pretty quickly. Is that not correct? Destruction almost immediately to them. Well, that is the very thing that has happened with minister after minister, after church member, after church member, after family member, after family member, is they have stepped out to go to war with the devil on their own, with no backing. God's not behind them. So he can't finance them. God's not behind him. So his ministering spirits is not really there to help him prepare the way. God's not behind him. So his forces is not there to uplift them. You're out there on your own. Trying to forge a way almost like Daniel Boone in the wilderness. And somebody's going to shoot you down. And Keith and I will just sit there and cry sometimes because we see people do these things. Now, God did not tell David what he was doing was wrong. As a matter of fact, if you'll look in Second Chronicles 6 8, put it up there on the screen. I think uh, uh, maybe I had it in the NIV. Try the NIV. It might have said it. But the Lord said unto my father David, because it was in your heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, uh, you did well to have this in your heart. You did well. But just because... You're doing well to have something in your heart? Does that mean you are the one that is supposed to do it? What if David would have stepped out to do this on his own? Do you think all the blessings of the Lord would have been behind it and it would have gone as well as it did? Couldn't have. Couldn't have. But David obeyed and Solomon built the temple. And it was miraculous. And you know all the money that came in and all the things that happened. And it was supernatural. What you don't want to do is step out on your own and do something and say, God told me to do this. When God has no part in it. 
Because it it hurts you. It hurts your faith. It hurts your relationship with the Lord. It hurts your your life because you go away defeated. You go away hurt, and then you believe faith doesn't work. The things of God don't work when they do work. Amen. They do work. Look at this scripture. Now, how many of you believe Paul knew how to be led? Now, if Paul had to be led in these things, do we have to be led in these things? I don't want to read all these because it's going to take some time. But Romans 1.8 through 13 tells about how Paul longed to visit Rome. And it tells about he thanked God for their faith and it's been reported all over the world. Uh, and the God that he, whom he serves with his whole heart and preaching the gospel. Da, 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 da. And it goes on down to verse 13. He said he wanted to impart some spiritual gift to him. But verse 13 says this. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers. I planned many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now. So that you're not confused, go to Romans 15, 32. This is NIV, unless I tell you different. Verse 32 says, so that, what's the next part? By God's will, I may come. Now, this is where people get confused. If it be your will, Lord. Now, when Keith and I started this church in Sarasota, I don't see anywhere in this book that it says, Keith Moore, on this day in 2002, you're going to go to the county of Sarasota, Florida, to the city of Sarasota, to the street of 6980 Professional Parkway East, Sarasota, Florida, Lakewood Ranch, and purchase the old Teleflex building and begin construction on a building there and start a work for me. I don't see that anywhere in here. So what that takes is Somebody knowing how to hear from God. Let's look at some more of these, and I'll get back to that. 1 Corinthians 4.19. He was going to Corinth then. Now, this is Paul. He says, I will come to you very soon. What? What? If the Lord is willing. Then, 1 Corinthians 16, 5. It says, I will come to you, for I'll be going to Macedonia. Then verse 6. Perhaps I'll stay with you a while. Maybe I'll even spend the winter. So that I can, you can help me on my journey wherever I go. Verse 7. 
I do not want to see you now and to make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, the last part of that, if the Lord permits. If the Lord permits. Now, this next verse is going to give you very good insight as to how you hear from God. Acts 10. How many of you know Peter? Acts 10, 19. Peter was on the rooftop. I, don't, I won't go into the first part of it. He was on the rooftop praying, it says. The first part of this, if you'll go back and look. He was spending some time praying. And the Spirit said to him, I think the more I studied this about this, I think God knew years ahead. Don't you think he does? But I think he knew how busy most people's lives were going to get. I think about Keith sometimes. And I think about that Keith would rather that instead of me cooking or instead of me cleaning or instead of me doing anything, that I'm just sitting right there in the chair next to him listening to what he has to say. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just talking with him and we're talking about the future. We're talking about things. We're just conversing with each other. I think he gets that from our Father God. I think our Father God is the kind of Father that is not going to just tell us like a microwave, go do this. I think he wants us, Alfredo, talk to me for a while. I think he wants us to sit down and spend some time with him in his presence and talk to him. I think that's what's lacking in most people's lives. I think that's the reason that most people get off course. Is because they try to get an instant answer from the Lord. Answers from the Lord are not feelings. Answers from the Lord are not desires. Answers from the Lord are not emotions. Answers from the Lord are complete direction that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt in your heart. And the only way that comes, say this with me, the only way way that that comes is from spending time with Him. He does not want people to make life decisions when they just walk in their closet or walk in their room and five seconds later they come out with, me and my whole family is moving to China to be missionaries. (laughs) Or God told me that I was to be a pastor and they go try to start a church and it falls on its face. 
or God told me I was to take my family and move to this church across town. And they lose their job and they lose their money and they lose their house. It's a matter of us spending time with him and sitting down with him. Sometimes Keith will talk to me for four hours. And what does he say? Most of the time, not much. Airplanes. Something we might do in the future. Something we're thinking about doing. It's most of the time not some great big revelation knowledge. But, but... Maybe we'll have a week, we'll do that. Maybe by Thursday of that week, some big something, because of our fellowship and us talking together, comes out that we're supposed to do. Some new something or some healing or faith class that we're supposed to start. But you know what? That didn't just happen by us passing each other in the hallway. It didn't just happen by us sitting there eating dinner watching the news. It didn't just happen by him flying in and flying out. It happens by us fellowshipping with each other. It happens by us spending time with him. You cannot hear just revelation knowledge from God just by popping in and popping out. I don't believe that's the kind of God he is. Now, I believe there's emergency situations, and the greater you grow in the things of God, the easier it is to hear from Him. And I believe that there's little decisions that you can make, instant and Johnny on the spot. But I believe life decisions that really affect you and your family and things like that, you better spend some time with Him and get to know Him. This said He had been praying, and I think that was something He'd done a lot. How many of you think that? He'd done it a lot. And the Spirit said to him, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, get thee down, and what? Let's see, I must have this in the King James. Go ahead and put it in the King James, guys. Let's try it again. Arise, therefore. Get thee down and go with them. What's the next part? Doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Now, how else can you find that out except for spending time with him? Somebody shows up at your house. They ask you to do something. They ask you for money. They ask you to go somewhere. They ask you, do you want this new job? They ask you for this stuff. They ask you all sorts of stuff. How do you have that nothing Doubting answer. How can you have that nothing doubting answer? You have to hear from the Lord. That's the only way you can have confidence to ask Him for something, is by hearing from Him. Let's look at another one. Acts 11.4. It says, this is King James, but Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it in the order unto them saying, here's Peter again. And what is he doing? I was in the city of Joppa doing what? Praying. Praying. 
And I fell into a trance, and a certain vessel descended. And, verse 12, the Spirit bade me the very same thing. Go with them, nothing doubting. So, back to the beginning. Let's read our verse again, and I want to ask you your question again. This is the confidence. How can you have confidence that we have in Him? If we ask anything according to His will, how can you know His will? His Word or His Spirit? Now, back one, one thought before we, we wind up here. Now, I told you at the beginning that when we started and we went to Ramah, that I was around all these faith people. And I was around all these people that convinced me that they could hear from God better than me. And I didn't want to be around them. Because they kept getting all these revelations and they kept getting all this stuff, you know. And they kept saying, thus says the Lord. And the Lord told me to do this. And the Lord said this. And the Lord said that. And, and, um, and I'm like. <laughs> I believed them. I thought it was real. And I thought I was so carnal that I could, I, you know. Because some of the things that they would say, I would think, oh, No. I would just go, oh, no, because it didn't seem right to me. And I'd think, Mm-mm, no, no. And they'd tell all these wild stories about things that had happened and how it was God. And I would think, Mm-mm, no, no, that's not God. I, that don't seem like God to me. But I'd, I'd just keep my mouth shut. Sometimes you're smart. You just keep your mouth shut. But as I grew in the things of God, I realized I did know how to hear from God. And every person in here, I don't care if you've been saved for 30 seconds. You have His Spirit inside of you. And when it pertains to your life, it pertains to you, it pertains to your life, it pertains to the things going on in your life, you should never listen to somebody else over what you got in here. You should never override what you got in here over somebody telling you something or do something. And you should always, always, always pay attention to the Spirit inside of you. Always. Don't let people tell you that you can't hear from God. It doesn't matter if they've been in the ministry for a hundred years. If you have a check... On the inside of you, like Brother Hagen used to say, just take it like it's a book or something and just stick it up on the shelf. You don't have to judge them. You don't have to do anything. But you don't have to go along with it either. You just take it. Stick it up on the shelf. But don't go along with every, what do they say, Tom, Dick, Harry? Don't do it. Follow what you get inside of you. And the more that you do that, the more you will become greater at hearing the Spirit inside of you. Now, what I would like for us to do as a homework assignment. 
is I would like for everybody, I've done it, I would like for everybody in their faith walk to maybe take a couple of steps backward and look at things that they say that they believe God for. Look at things that they say that they've been in faith for. Look at things that they say that they've been expecting or believing. Write them down. Take the time. Write them down. See how long you've been believing for them. Then put it to the test. Is it in this book? If it's not, kind of mark halfway through it. Or did God specifically tell you? Now that's a knowing. You don't have to wonder. It's a knowing like you know her top is blue. You don't have to wonder. Did God specifically tell you to do it or to believe for it? If he didn't, mark it off. Mark it off. Then if you wind up with a paper that has nothing on it that you're believing for, tear it up. And start over. And start by believing for what God tells you to believe for. It'd be good to start with the things in the book. Maybe you need to start with a healing. Maybe you need to start with no more condemnation. Maybe you need to start with those things. Start with those. Then start about being led. I teach this to the youth. I teach them about believing God for the direction to go home. Many of them have told me, you know what? I was going home and the Lord dealt with me to go a different direction. And I missed a deer that night, you know, and, and I was slower than I was going. And just lots of different stories. Start with being led in small things. Where you should go. Watch. Write it down. Were you at a place that somebody bought your lunch? Were you at a place that somebody bought you a shirt? Were you at a place that you met somebody and you were able to minister to them? Were you at a place that you know God wanted you to be? Do you understand what I'm saying? Start doing things about being led. Take tiny baby steps. Instead of trying to take giant steps and skipping the baby steps, there ain't no baby in the world that runs a marathon before he crawls. But that's what faith people have tried to do. They've tried to impress other people with their faith, and then they wind up not only not getting it, but down in a well lower than where they started. Not only that, but then they quit because they didn't get it. Use your faith to believe God for things. Use your faith. I told somebody recently, they said, you know, I've given money all my life. Nobody's ever given me anything. I said, start believing God for $5 a month. That's it. I said, you're you're trying to start too high. I said, start believing God for $5 a month. That's it. $5 a month. Now, this person was a giver. But unless you start there, you're never going to get to the $500. You're never going to get to the $5,000. Start with $5 a month. Say, Lord, I, I sowed this and I claim $5. 
Maybe you did sow more than that, but you ain't never got more than that. So you got to start where you are. Start with five a month. Say, somebody's going to give me $5. Somebody's going to take me to lunch. Start doing it. We're going to see the church grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Somebody's going to pay for me a tank of gas. Somebody's going to give me a new blouse. Somebody's going to give me a new pair of shoes. Start where you are in doing these things. And you'll find out your faith will begin to grow. But go back, do your homework, take that list, tear it up. If you don't have anything on it that you've gotten, if it's been 30 years, get rid of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Did this help anybody today? Well, Keith and I are on a mission. And this mission is to encourage people that faith does work. But it's kind of like another illustration here real quickly, and then we'll close. It's kind of like me making... I told this uh, not too long ago to someone, making gumbo, okay? And I'm making the gumbo, and I'm doing all the stuff. But I get way in the middle of it, and I realized I left out all the ingredients for the roux. That's going to be a nasty gumbo. Or it's kind of like you making spaghetti and leaving out the tomato sauce. What kind of spaghetti is it going to be? I didn't say Alfredo. I said spaghetti. You can't do the things of God without putting in all the ingredients. You've got to put the ingredients in that he, to- he gave us to use. And if we put in all the ingredients the way that he told us to put them in, then we're going to get where he told us to get. Can you say amen? Stand up with me. Glory to God. Let me pray over you.